From the pages of the Blizzard, the Football Quarterly, we bring you the Blizzard Podcast, an occasional look back through the Blizzard archives, where we bring you some of our favourite articles to have appeared in the magazine since we first began back in 2011. In episode 108, we feature At Home by Shinobu Yamanaka, first published in issue 29 in June 2018. The World Cup used to be a very distant dream for us Japanese. Even when Kazuyoshi Kazumura, who had become a professional player in Brazil, came back to Japan ahead of the inaugural 1993 season of the J-League, saying that he had come home to take Japan to the World Cup, it still seemed a foreign tournament, which would always take place without our country in it. That's what I felt until that day, the 26th of June 1998. It was some seven months earlier that Japan actually confirmed its qualification for France 1998 via the Asian Football Confederation playoff. However, by then I had left Japan and was based in England, where a Far Eastern country advancing towards its first World Cup appearance didn't really matter, and understandably so. In addition, the internet wasn't what it is today, and what we now know as social media didn't yet exist. Japan at France 98 didn't feel real enough to me initially. Back then, what the general public in England knew about Japanese football must have been limited to it being where Gary Lineker went to finish his career and where a certain Arsene Hu came from to become Arsenal manager. None of our 22 World Cup squad members were playing in Europe at that time. I believe the only time the Japan national team was actually in the news was when Kazu was referred to as Japanese Gaza in the British media when he was admitted from the final squad at the very last minute and sent home from France. Even after the tournament began, I remember watching a BBC programme in which Hidetoshi Nakata, then a rising 21-year-old playmaker, said in a pre-recorded TV interview, It's not like Japan have a 0% chance of winning the World Cup. And Lineker was only too quick to point out that Japan had no chance in reality. It was as if we were not really in the World Cup, even if the team was physically there in France. At the same time, I must admit that it was hard to argue with such a view about Japan in the World Cup. In our first two 1-0 defeats, to Argentina and then to Croatia, we were all about disciplined and organised defence, but were devoid of expression, inspiration and, more importantly, the joy that is, to many, including myself, what football should ultimately be about. However, on that day, something happened inside me. My perception towards Japan in the football world changed while watching our third game in Group H, a 2-1 defeat to Jamaica. I wasn't at the stadium in Lyon. I was watching the game on a not-so-big TV screen in a pub near Soho Square in central London, and Japan still went out of the tournament as the bottom of the group, losing all three games. But there, I witnessed Japan making a mark, albeit a small one, in the world of football. After going 2-0 down, we scored a goal, the greatest joy in the game of football, our first World Cup goal. To non-Japanese eyes, it might have looked a mere consolation late in the second half. It was quite a simple goal too. A cross from the left was headed back across, and the ball was met in the six-yard box. Yet, to us, it was a goal screaming, we're here in the World Cup. I also happened to make my presence known in the pub as soon as the ball was in the back of the net by shouting, yeah, and punching the air with delight. Alone. What made that goal extra special to me was the fact that it was scored by a player who was in a year below me in our high school in Japan, Masashi Nakayama. I had known since the 80s that he was a talented footballer with an eye for goal, 
as he had been in the school team since year one, which is not always the case at our school, known nationally for its strong football team. But then again, it was a pre-J-League era without a career path for a professional player in Japan. Nakayama went to university and then got a job at Yamaha Motor, albeit mainly to pay for the company's football team, which would eventually become Jubilo Iwata in the J-League. Now, that boy from the same school, one of us, had just scored the country's first ever World Cup goal. It made me feel that Japan had really made it at the World Cup, and that it had taken a long time, but our distant dream had actually come true. A few other customers nearby started chatting to me, approaching with a jokey, congratulations. I was there with my ex-colleagues, two Japanese, one Welsh, one Indian and one Iraqi, none of whom were really into football. So I naturally engaged in football chat with those I just met, and, to be honest, I hardly remember the remaining 15 minutes or so of the second half. But I do remember an Englishman said to me, you have to play football in the last third of the pitch too, and I happily accepted his point of view about the way our national team played in the tournament. On that day, right there in a London pub with a pint glass in my hand, having a casual conversation about Japan's goal, players and the World Cup itself, I felt Japan had finally become a small part of the football world. That experience also gave me a personal hope. I was in between jobs, having decided to take my first step to become a freelance writer in England by saying goodbye to seven years of Japanese salaryman life in the previous month. The sense of belonging and the sheer excitement provided by Nakayama's goal at France 98 made me feel that I, a Japanese from the world of soccer, was now entitled to talk about football with people in its motherland. As I left the pub after a few more pints, I was thinking that my own dream too might one day come true. That was At Home by Shinobu Yamanaka, first published in issue 29 in June 2018. That article, with more than 600 others, is available to read at theblizzard.co.uk. Subscriptions start from £40 for print versions or just £20 for a year's digital access, both of which give you complete access to the full Blizzard archive. If you don't choose to subscribe, you can still read three free articles a month on the website, but you'll have to choose wisely. Individual issues are also available at the Kindle and Google Play stores. Our next issue, issue 30, will be available to subscribers shortly, and will be landing on doorsteps in the next week or so. It's currently available to pre-order at theblizzard.co.uk.